Knock High. Hello and welcome to Knock Knock High with the Glockenfleckens. You are Kristen Flannery. That's right, Lady Glockenflecken. And I am Will Flannery. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glockenflecken. I decided to switch it up and introduce you first. I did notice that. Did, mm-hmm. I, did, I, did I throw you off? No, you can't throw me off. I can just roll with the punches. You're, you're with it. You're yeah. with it. We got a great show. We have Dr. Siamak Saleh. That's right. Uh, it's a big deal on TikTok. And so um, we'll we'll get to that conversation here shortly. Um, what's been going on in our lives? Oh, what has been going on? You know, we have, we've got these kids. Yes. Um, we actually, last week was the first week of, of track. Mm. I signed our youngest up for track. Right. Which, she's, by the way, she's eight years old. Maybe it's just a function of where I grew up. We didn't have a lot of options and stuff, but doesn't track usually start at like, I don't know, at least junior high, uh, well, not high school. The, the the program, it's it starts like, I think you can be seven years old. So it's not even, she's not even going to be the youngest there, but seven up to, you know, 13, 14 or something. Mm. But the reason I signed her up for it is just because she is constantly wanting to race me Yeah, at all times. She loves to run. She loves running and racing. And so I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and she's very competitive. But the problem is with, uh, maybe it's just our kids, uh, but I, I, I feel like it's most kids. They change their minds Ugh, constantly about everything. Like one day she was like super excited about track. She was like, oh, let's, let's sign, her, sign her up. It'd be great. Yep. And then like the day before I told her your first practice for track is coming up, it was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Whose idea was that? And then, but I signed her up, like I paid 200 bucks for this thing. And, <laughs> right. and, and so I was like, like talking to her, like really talking it up. Like, this is going to be great. It's so fun to like race and, and run and uh, jump. There's like, there's javelin. There's a sh- shot put where you right. throw all a- the things we tell her not to do in the house. Yeah, exactly. She can go do like you can do all these things, and you'll get to race people, and you 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 know you'll get to uh it's a competitive and it's anyway all the thing I was trying so hard to sell track mm-hmm. to an eight year old and like from a ten thousand foot view it sound it probably sounded ridiculous like why are you trying like, so hard cares? to make this happen. That's was, how but, I feel about like, it, yeah. It, mainly, it was just like I thought this would be fun for her, and and so, anyway, I got her, I got her excited again about it, and so we went, and then the one thing though I I, I failed to really think about was the fact that this is in Oregon, mm-hmm. in the Portland area, uh, in April, and so there were three practices. That's the other thing. This thing, this track program. It's mm-hmm. three three times a week we're doing that's, this. That's really intense for an eight year old. Yeah, three times that's a ridiculous. Week. It's too much. So so I was like, okay, well let's let's just see how it goes. But it was pouring rain all week, mm-hmm. and they made a point and of cold. saying we're having these practices rain or shine. Right, that's what we do here. So because it's always rain. <laughs> probably no surprise to anybody. It didn't go well the first week. Sure. Uh, and so this week we're starting week two. And it's a beautiful sunny day. It's going to be nice all week. So I told we'll her, see. let's give it, let's give it another week. And I was like, we got to get through, we got to get to the first like track meet because I think, I think she'll really enjoy actually competing as opposed to 
like just practice where it's Maybe. raining and cold and you're running up hills right. for what seems like no reason in particular. I've got mixed feelings about the whole thing. I mean, as you know, just kids this young in sports that are that much of a commitment. I don't know. What happened to just like setting them loose in the backyard and they run around all afternoon? Well, we, you know, we live in a different time. We don't time. have a backyard. <laughs> we don't have much of a backyard. Uh, but also you don't have a competitive bone in your body. I don't. I grew no, up I playing all the sports. And well, I played it. them too, but they're just supposed to be games. They're supposed to be fun. And you learn some things along the way about teamwork in life. And I understand the educational value of <laughs> athletics. Okay. But Listener, she's I can't, eight years old. I can't tell you how many, uh, how many conversations we've had just like this over the years. Because again... There's zero competitiveness in in your core, in your soul. Mm -hmm. I am quite competitive. Right, uh, but you have to at least, I mean, see the logic in the fact that this is supposed to be for fun. Yes. Especially I, at these ages. It is. And so I, I'm trying not to push it. I really am not. In fact, I, I'm like, I don't want to go to track three times a week. I don't either. That's the other thing. <laughs> so, when are we supposed so to maybe, be adults? Well, We're just being chauffeurs for all these activities. So maybe Ugh. we'll just do like two practices a week. We'll just like forget about the third one. I think that's more reasonable. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna give a shot. I think she'll really get into the shot put. <laughs> They're like, oh, for the eight for the eight and unders, uh, these are your options. You can do uh, sprinting, uh, you can do javelin, or you can do shot put. So we'll see. Uh, this this seems like a bad idea. <laughs> that's I don't know. I mean, giving eight year olds long sticks to throw and oh, heavy it'll, balls. It'll be fine. All right. Well, let's let's get in. Speaking of balls, let's get into uh, our guest, who is an expert in um, sexual health and education about sexual health, in particular on social right. media. So this is uh, Dr. CMX Saleh. He is uh, a medical doctor in South Africa. And he has a little niche online uh, uh, with uh, sexual and reproductive health, has over 3 million uh, followers on TikTok, and does just great education. Uh, debunking uh, myths. Debunking lots of myths. There's a lot of myths out there with regard to, to, to sexual and reproductive health. So right. It's, there's not a lot of great you know, formal education about it around the world. I mean, even in America, there's there's some, but it varies by location. So what he's doing is really important. Yeah, we need it. We need it out there. So, um, and he's also uh, practicing in uh, an area around Cape Town, South Africa. So we had a very fascinating conversation uh, about a lot of different things. And so, I don't know, let's get into it. Let's do it. Here is Dr. Saleh. All right, Dr. Siamak Saleh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor being on your podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, so you're coming to us from, uh, you're in South Africa. You're, you're yes, in Cape Town. Is that right? Yep, true. And, true. and we, we established before we started recording that it's, it's evening time for you. So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you spent a whole day at work. And now you get to talk to um, a couple random people from the internet. Here you go. <laughs> random, very famous people. <laughs> um, I first off just want to say, so I, you know, I was, I was looking at, I've, I've seen your videos um, come up, come across on TikTok. Uh, you've got, you know, a, a, a large following on TikTok, and um, so, and I also Googled you. I so I, I Google search myself every now and then just to see like what pops up. And oh I just boy. want you to know. 
that uh, uh, one of the first things that popped up for you was of uh, uh, five things you can do that's bad for your penis. <laughs> I I hope you don't mind uh, that that that's that's just one of your videos that popped up whenever I kind of was was searching for your uh, your social media presence. I'm sure your mother would be very proud. <laughs> I uh, okay, so I agree with the first part. I'm not sure my mother is very proud. She's trying <laughs> to talk me off speaking about sexual health, and that is the reason why I'm doing it because of all the mm -hmm. stigma around mm -hmm. it, all the taboo. Uh, so I'm not sure if you have scrolled down my profile <laughs> to the very beginning. I used to raise awareness on various medical conditions, women's yeah. health, HIV, COVID, and I used to debunk myths. I think I have like a 10 series of like medical myths. And one day I I was like, let's me debunk some period myths. And that video got more than like almost 30 million views. Then it was oh, wow. then when I realized that um, actually because of the comment and the question I used to get, I realized that not many people are aware of their own sexual health. Until mm -hmm. today, I get questions of, I kissed my boyfriend and my period is delayed. Am I pregnant? Um, yeah. So yeah, so I think I took this responsibility or, or I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission to empower yeah. people about their sexual and reproductive health. I think it's fantastic. It really is. Like there's, uh, I mean, it, it just, the response you've, you've received just over the last, cause this has just been since the pandemic started, like 2020 is when you got started on this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's a, a fairly meteoric rise and, and clearly the, the public needs it, right? This is, uh, a, a huge gap in knowledge because people just don't like to talk about sexual health and reproductive health. And so uh, I think it's fantastic. So just right off the bat, everybody go, if you not, even if it, you just want to know things other than the bad things to do with your penis, but it, it, anything there's, there's, you have so much content and it's so informative. And so uh, I just want to give you your props on, on, on really. You two need to do a collaboration taking... about testicles. Yeah, he can't stop it's... talking about his testicles. I, I, yeah. He doesn't even have them anymore. I, I he used... still can't shut I, up about them. I know, them. I know. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I could probably learn a thing or two about the testicles I used to have from <laughs> Dr. Saleh. But <laughs> so did you, I mean, you never, it sounds like you kind of just fell into this topic um, just because you saw a need from the public, but what is your, your typical job like? So I want to get into what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, because you have a very unique job and in a unique place in the world. And so tell us what about your training and what's your normal non-TikTok related life is okay. all about. So first of all, I want to apologize in advance if I say something wrong in English. English is my third language. So I am Persian. Oh, that's all. Just, just a third. <laughs> You're third, uh, third. Wait, third of how many exactly? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I have a sense that you, four, four oh languages. My goodness, we should be apologizing to you oh, that man. it's the only one we know. Yeah, I know ophthalmology. That's the only other language I know. Um, that's the, that's but... the best language to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Persian. No I was born, grew up in Kuwait. I studied medicine in Moscow, and I came to South Africa around 15 years ago to do research. Um, so my, I work in a primary healthcare facility in a very rough area in Cape Town, formerly known as murder capital of South Africa for like six, seven years in a row. So oh. on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. we have stable patient in the outpatient department and our trauma unit, which is a 24 hour. 
we get to see lots of action. And one reason I've stayed there for few, more than a few years is because I studied medicine to save lives. And you can save lives on a daily basis there. Lots of stab wounds, gunshots, um, patients come half dead, and that's when you come in and try to stabilize and refer them to a tertiary hospital for further management. How did you how did you end up in South Africa though? So you because you're you went to med school out in in Russia, you said, right? And so what is it that that brought you to that part of the world? So after I finished med school, I applied everywhere. And uh, University of Cape Town offered me a research post with paid tuition fees and a scholarship. And I Googled it. Cape Town is... Say a no more. Yeah. Very good <laughs> scholarship. <laughs> Cape Town I've is I've heard a, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a very beautiful South place. Is beautiful. It's a very beautiful place. I wanted to study somewhere where I can also live and enjoy the beauty of this country. So that's how I came. Yeah. At the time when you came, did you know it was uh, considered the murder capital of the world? So um, Cape Town is a very different. So Cape Town is not the murder capital. That small area that I'm in is the capital. Oh, oh the, is the, oh, the capital okay. of the South, South Africa. So oh, I, I didn't know such places existed in my first few years of research because you live in one part and then you don't know about the other part. Like you don't. It's very how to it's like very poor area and then mm-hmm. other side of the road is a modern place sure. so so once i started working in a clinical uh, setting then i was like okay maybe cape town is not the best place for everyone because right. of those rough areas it sounds like you, you how long have you been there now how many years have you been working in your current capacity six years six years and you're enjoying it it's, it must I, be really fulfilling to be able to help you know, so many people from it is, different backgrounds. It is very fulfilling, but I think I always tell myself, I think I've saved enough lives. I yeah. really, <laughs> I really. That's the way I, I tell myself that too, as an ophthalmologist. <laughs> I've, I've saved plenty of lives. I, I you know. <laughs> I think I've it's, saved more lives than you have. That's true. I, yeah, probably. A grand total of one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's much more rewarding. Um, educating people on via social media. So if I can, let's say, treat 20, 30 people a day, one video can get you like a few million views and you educate at least a few thousands. So that is probably for me is much more rewarding experience. And hopefully one day I can do that on a full time because then I can give 10 times more um, contents, sure. ways of doing it. Because after day of work, you are mentally drained and exhausted mm-hmm. and you still have to come home and you still have to research four, five, six hours to post one video. Initially, mm-hmm. I could post anything, but now when you are up there, you need to research properly. <laughs> I Hey, I totally agree with you because, I mean, the first, you know, as an ophthalmologist, I know very little about other specialties. And so the the, the longer I've been doing this, I, I totally sympathize with you. I have to do a lot more research to like try to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> uh, and so, um, uh, and you know, sounds like you you have a stressful job, but you've also been on the front line of the pandemic. So I'm sure just the accumulation of the stress over since 2020 
uh, has has been very challenging. Um, was and and you did a lot of content surrounding you know uh, you know public health and talking about the pandemic and your experience in South Africa. And you could speak a little bit about the toll that being on the front lines and a place that you're in had on you. Of course, I mean if you look at my social media, you can see pretty much the whole of last year till now. I've been a little bit more quiet. Um, mm-hmm. not producing that much content. And I'd, I'd like to blame it on burnout. Um, it was, so we were at the front line of the pandemic. And again, my area of work, where the area I work at, they were the epicenter of the COVID pandemic in Cape Town. So we used to get lots of very sick patients. We saw lots of patients pass away while waiting to be transferred to a hospital. Um, and my escape was, I joined TikTok at that period and started educating people. And within a few months, WHO approached me and asked me to help them collect uh, more medical, uh, uh, more healthcare workers who can uh, fight the misinformation online. And that's when we had a group of uh, healthcare workers and we collaborated Mm -hmm. in fighting the misinformation, which was great cause, but uh, it was like you wake up some days with 5,000 hate messages. Hmm. It's uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I've matured. I can imagine. Yeah, I've matured enough through the process. And now when the hate comments come, I'm like, thank you for boosting my videos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a very like mature way of looking at it. But it's also, that's a question I get asked a lot as well is how do you deal with that? Because it, it never feels good to, you know, put so much time and effort into creating something and then to and have, have really good intentions around yeah. it and trying to do a good thing. Just trying to help people. And yeah. and then you, you're faced with, with these, uh, these types of comments. And so was that, was it hard for you to, to get to the point where you're at now, you know, where, where you're able to let it roll off your back or does it still bother you? I don't know. How do you feel about all these? No, I think all the hate um, messages. it was, it was difficult. Um, initially I wouldn't lie. Uh, I used to, sometimes like get into argument with them. And then once you get verified, you know, you can't really go and argue with everyone. Uh, And WHO actually set up meetings for us to talk about such instances and how to deal with it. Um, Hmm. I think you have to go through it to mature up. It's it's like a process. Um, Now these days you will get hate, whether you talk about COVID or about smoking or about masturbation, anything. Medical myths, so much hate I get just for telling them you don't get flu from going out in the cold or having a wet hair, things that your mom tells you all the time. My mom told me that, how dare you? I'm like, I'm really sorry, but that's how things are. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so. Or masturbation is going to give you hairy palms or something, right? Exactly. All those, all those just crazy things that. I have a few of those videos you should watch. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I, I was scrolling. I was scrolling through your list of videos, and it's uh, the 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 myths you debunk are great. <laughs> Thank you. So I just ignore them these days, and if it yeah. really bothers me, I delete it. That's it. I don't mm-hmm. go further discussions. I don't argue. There's no point. And I mean, There's they're no not point. there to be convinced of anything else anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's well, the first really one rule that that I try to tell people is you never get mad online. <laughs> it's 
whenever I, I've, cause I've been in situations where I like, I just got so mad at something someone said to me and that, that it prompted me to engage and it never helped. It never made it better. And, and everyone left just even more pissed off, um, uh, about the whole situation. So it's, um, you know, I, I think learning how to ignore that stuff is, is really important. Uh, and also just like trying not to read comments period uh sometimes is also helpful i don't know it's tricky though when you when you are doing something like trying to educate or advocate or any of these things because you want to see if your message is resonating you want to see if people are understanding correctly you want to see where they're not understanding correctly so you know you know like you're doing a little bit of you know almost market research by looking through the comments so i i can sympathize sometimes you you have to wait into the comment section even when you don't want to, you know, and, and so you see some of these things, even if you don't, you know, I try to just skip over them instead of read them. But it's it's hard to yeah. to do that sometimes. How do you get your ideas? Oh, there is so much ideas. I have lots of I have Googled ideas. I have top 10 most asked question about sexual health. Uh, yeah. and, and most of my ideas generally comes from people asking me to talk about this or about that. I make a video about, let's say, periods or erectile dysfunction, then they want to know the treatment. So there is no lack of ideas. Right. Just need. Do, do you keep a, a do you keep a list? Do you have like a whole list of, of things that you're I'm probably gonna steal just... your producer after this show. So they can have <laughs> <laughs> it's been a one man show for me this whole time. So Yeah. I think I'm proud of myself, Rick, so far by myself, but I think I need a few other people on the team because it's not well, something. Let's talk. <laughs> we, <laughs> we got, we got, we, we got, I could give you some tips. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, you can't trust somebody else to do your medical research for you. And that's what takes most of the time, which is four, five, six hours. Sometimes you know something and then you research the latest information and you're like, oh, there's an article came three months ago that says otherwise. And now you have to cancel your whole like script to whatever you wrote. Yeah. So it's, um, and you're, uh, as far as you're doing, having to do a lot of research because the, I mean, a lot of the, the things you're talking about probably are not something that's just at the forefront of your mind because you have such a wide breadth of things that you do in your day-to-day job as a physician. Um, and so just give us, give me a, just a little bit more, uh, background on your training. So you do med school at what age, like, do you start, did you go to Russia and start med school? Is that, I'm just trying to compare it to my experience here in the U S so it's 18. So it's kind of, so we go to, you know, college or university, you know, for four years before we start med school. But I found that lots of places out in the world kind of combine the two, right? So. And so you finish med school after X number of years and then, and then it's just immediately start working or do you have additional training that you do after that? So I did a year of internship in Moscow and through, I'm not sure if I should tell all these stories, but halfway through my internship, I was attacked by skinheads. It's a new, it's a new Nazi group that attacks anyone that is not white. So I was black in Russia but I'm white in South Africa, but we can talk about this later. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is halfway through med school this happened? No, no, halfway through internship, which is, was something extra. Oh, I was doing oh. it by my own. It wasn't a compulsory one. 
I see. Okay. So yeah. So I have few fractured bones in my face. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So you can imagine how good I looked back then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, so, I probably would have seen you as an ophthalmologist. We we get called for for every uh, you know orbital fracture for sure. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. that's terrifying. Was that did that um were you did you ever think about staying in Russia for to work long term or i imagine after that you were like get me out of here no yeah. i was strong enough to stay for a little bit more and then i finished that and then i applied everywhere and cape town university yeah. of cape town was the one that said you can come we pay your tuition fees you pay your scholarship you can help us with research and i was like why not i'm on, on my yeah. way so here um so once you have internship you can work straight away mm-hmm. And are you so it's mostly outpatient for you now? Yeah. Right. You're it's you're doing primary care. Yes. Yes. Okay. So primary right. care at our clinic we have an HIV unit because of the HIV epidemic mm-hmm. in South Africa. We have an outpatient department and we have an emergency unit where we stabilize patients and if they need oh, if they need okay. to be referred, then we refer them to a tertiary hospital. Oh, I see. So you're you're dealing with some, some emergency types of things too, and so yeah, of course, okay. yeah. That's all. That sounds harder than my job. Yep. <laughs> I I posted <laughs> one weekend when I did went to work to do rounds. Uh, we looked at the monitor and list of the patients were triaged. Out of the seventeen, I think sixteen of them were stabbed. I posted oh that. Yeah, I took a screenshot, wow. put it on my Instagram. I lost some followers afterwards. I think it was a bit too much for everyone, but that's the yeah. area I work in. So it's uh, yeah. people get Lots drunk of trauma and uh, yeah. start stabbing each other. And you do have some. Um, you do. You did share with us some interesting stories. You know that are uh, <laughs> that are some tra- trauma related. <laughs> Uh, I I can tell you're you're worried about like uh, really scaring our audience, which you probably <laughs> could. You could probably scare us too, because uh, you know at this point in my career, I don't I don't see a whole lot of trauma. But um, I do want you to tell this one story uh, about your. You mentioned drunk patients that you tend to see a lot of those. Oh. Um, and so there was a a missing finger. <laughs> oh, so right? yes, I remember this patient. Um. It was, I think around three, four in the morning and this patient comes and I think he was stabbed in his hand and uh, cut one of his tendons. So he couldn't use one of his fingers. Uh, So I Mm. sutured the finger, the wound, we discussed it with a hand surgeon at the tertiary hospital and they accepted him to go there for, to sort out his ligament. So I'm trying to tell this patient that if you don't go to the hospital with the ambulance, you might not be able to use your finger in the future. And he's a 19, 20 years old. And he's like, no, I want to go home. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to go home. And I'm like, no, you need to go to hospital because of this issue. And then he stops for a second and starts counting his fingers. And he goes like, and he says, doctor, I have nine more fingers. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, he's got a point. You know? <laughs> I was, you I was, uh, we you both started laughing. I'm like, good point, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you, could do, you could do a lot with nine fingers, I suppose. Depending on which finger, you know, like I feel like your thumb is pretty important, yeah, but maybe some of the others you don't miss. 
Do you have you have access to all the different types of specialists where you are? Yes. Or do you find yourself really you know, stretching your skills to the max? I think in Cape Town is a more uh, the healthcare system is better than other 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 cities in South Africa. So we have access. We have uh, we can pick up the phone and discuss any mm-hmm. case with a trauma surgeon, ophthalmologist, ENT, nice. and they're always helpful. Yeah. And is it is the healthcare? You know, I, I love when we have people from you know other parts of the world who come on this podcast because we get to talk about healthcare system a little bit. Um, obviously, we got we got a few problems <laughs> over here, but uh, what? How is it? How is it structured in South Africa? Is is there a, a universal healthcare type option for people? Do you have any privatization? What is it? How does that work? So we have public sector where it says government hospitals and it's free for majority of people and we have a private sector where you can have medical insurance and your insurance will help you pay uh, so lots of our patients they have medical insurance and once they run out of funds in their insurance then they come to us for example so we have both but there is there is no one is denied medical care because you can always go to tertiary hospitals and because they are teaching hospitals uh, where go through residents and professors. And so you get the, probably one of the best cares in the public sector also, yeah. Right, I imagine you have to stay on the forefront of what's happening when you're at a, a teaching hospital. Yeah. Seeing the new research that comes out and things like that, or making the new research. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or making the TikToks that or inform the, TikToks. the entire world. <laughs> uh, are, are you? Do you have a teaching role in your current job? Yeah, so we do have uh, interns that come through primary care rotation and they come to us. Mm -hmm. So we have interns that come through and I have a job of supervising them, teaching them a few skills here and there. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find that some of the stereotypes that Will here creates in his videos, do they hold true in South Africa as well? Of course. I was showing my colleagues a videos today and we're like, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm so glad all neurologists are the same <laughs> everywhere. All neurosurgeons the same. All... Neurosurgeons. <laughs> so exactly. funny. I wonder why that is. I mean, just personality types attracted to different yeah. you know, skill you know, sets, I suppose. You, know, but... you, you talked about having to do a lot of research to stay on, you know, because a new paper could come out. And and so you have to, like, really do a lot of work to stay on top of that. Uh, me, on the other hand, like every specialty in medicine has always been the same since the beginning of time. And so as far mm-hmm. as their personalities. And so I, 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 I get a, I'm a little off the hook there in terms of uh, maybe it limits the amount of research I have to do. Also, yours are just fiction. So there's <laughs> yeah. that. It's, it's a tiny bit of truth. I have to have a little <laughs> bit of truth in there, but it's all yeah, surface level. He's doing much nobler work uh, than you are. I mean, oh, no of course offense, not. But... Yeah. You help people see. Uh, yeah, I do. That's, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I like doing that. I don't save lives or anything, but I save eyes. I'll, I'll do that from time and to time. And that almost sounds like lives. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> how long, how long do you feel like, um, it sounds like this is really just getting good. As far as your social media presence is, is just, you're just getting started here. You know, it's been less than you know, barely three years that you've been doing this. Uh, are you having more opportunities to branch out and try to do other things? 
What are you said? You obviously you need some help, right? That's <laughs> yes. that's that's it seems the you're first. Growing. The first job is to find someone that can help you expand this thing because you have a lot of of fantastic uh, content and things to talk about. I think there is an like a like a there is. I don't think there's anyone debunking or so. There are lots of people who talk about sexual health, but mm-hmm. having more than three million followers probably the biggest or one of the biggest sexual health platforms um, or communities. I feel like I have this job to raise awareness and educate people, empower them with their sexual health. Because once you're empowered, you can take better decisions um, to protect yourself. You can, once you have a confidence, you can communicate better with your partner. You improve your sexual life. You improve your relationship. So it plays a big part in your life as a whole. So, and I want to have lots of ideas, lots of topics I want to talk about to give back. I'm not, am I giving back? Yeah, I'm, I'm giving this, this, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So it's so, yeah. back to society. Yeah, of exactly. course. Yeah. So it's, uh, I have lots of goals. Um, good. I just got married last month. So I'm still in the honeymoon oh, phase. Congratulations. So. Thank you. Awesome. So, That's great. So once I settle, I'm going to start producing contents and empowering oh yeah there's it's a it's a it's a it's a marathon not a sprint but both both (laughs) marriage and making content all right so take your time all right enjoy your honeymoon phase well let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with dr saleh hey Kristen, do you know why a stethoscope is so difficult to use because there's no heartbeat in an eyeball that's actually a really good point. But also, the heart is quiet. The mm. sounds can be distant and you're in a noisy environment trying to listen to all the beeps and boops. Mm. Uh, but with Echo Health's 3M Lippman Core Digital Stethoscope, it's easier than ever. You get 40 times sound amplification, active background noise cancellation. Even an ophthalmologist could hear the heart. Yeah, you know, I really could have used that before I had to do 10 minutes of CPR and you. It leads to earlier detection, better outcomes, definitely something that's personally meaningful for us. We have a special offer for our U.S. listeners. Visit echohealth.com slash KKH and use code NOC50 to experience Echo's digital stethoscope technology. That's E-K-O health slash KKH and use NOC50 to get $50 off plus a free case plus free engraving with this exclusive offer, which ends April 30th. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology. It just sits there in the room with you, just helps you be more efficient, and it helps with uh, reducing clinical documentation burden. Yeah, and that can help you feel less overwhelmed and burnt out and just kind of restore the joy to practicing medicine. And we all want that. So stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. All right, we are back with Dr. Saleh. And um, Dr. Saleh, we, I decided to try to uh, put together a little game for us to play. I uh, hope you don't mind. Um, this is something that I, I call sex collaboration. Sex collaboration, that's the name of the game. So uh, you as a, as a physician who talks a lot about sexual health and reproductive health, uh, I thought, okay, well, what if, say, you um, as a as a TikToker uh, got in contact with a TikToker from another specialty, 
that could be any specialty. Could be a cardiologist, could be a radiologist, could be an ophthalmologist. And together, you and this other person had to create a, a, a piece of content that uh, was at the intersection of those two specialties, sexual health and whatever else it may be. Okay. And so um, Kristen here. It's a collab here, video. It's a collaboration video. Kristen is going to give us the name of a specialty that you have to collaborate with uh, with regard to sexual health. And I'm going to help you. We're going to do this together. Let's uh, do it. And we'll try to come up with uh, with something that makes sense. Right. Okay. What would the video be? So, so Kristen, what is our first? And I don't know what she's going to say. I get, She has a list of like all, every specialty I just I sent her. And so um, she's just going to randomly choose these things. All right. So what is going to be our first sex collaboration? Okay. I'll start with a softball uh, to get you warmed up here. Infectious disease. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's easy, right? That's easy. Yes. That's it. It's a softball. Safe sex. There you go. What, what, uh, what are the kind of um, uh, infectious diseases do you come across that you have, that you see in your day-to-day life? Uh, with regard to sexual health, chlamydia and gonorrhea is very common. I've seen quite few of syphilis when they oh, come really? with the yeah. with their rashes on their bodies. That's um, we get shingles, especially in the HIV community. Mm. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot, of th- a lot of things we could do there. I could even talk about that from an eye perspective. Yes, exactly. Actually. Purpose. Yes, mm. absolutely. Um, which is, uh, fort- I don't think I see that as much as you do. Um, uh, but, uh, fortunately, uh, in fact, syphilis is something that we learn a lot about, but I did very rarely see that. So maybe you probably get a lot more syphilis cases yeah. you know, in your, in your neck of the woods than, than definitely, than definitely. Cool. All right. Give us another okay. one. So we got, that was easy. That, we got that. That was okay. a warm up. Yep. That one was the warm up. Okay. Um, Emergency medicine. Mm. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, sex emergencies. Can you think of any? Penis fracture. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Tell I'm sorry. Uh, because that that might be something. No, this is good. This is good. But it might be something that a lot of people don't realize is a thing. Uh, uh, because there's no, like, there's no actual bone in the penis. Um, uh, but so t- can you tell us what that what is, is that? exactly? Yeah. What's happening in that? <laughs> it's just something that you call a urologist for is my understanding. <laughs> and not a radiologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that was actually my idea. If you say, if you, if you would say radiology, then would have said penis fracture. And then we would explain <laughs> that there is no bone Great. there and. <laughs> uh, yeah, that to... <laughs> would actually be a good video <laughs> that's true you could go with that <laughs> radiology is on the list so there oh. you just knocked one off but that does sound there. like an yeah. i think that it probably is an emergency if i happen to fracture my penis i would probably go to the emergency department i would so, imagine um, it would be a very painful experience yes um let's hope that doesn't happen okay let's, we got <laughs> it moving on emergency moving on. medicine all right <laughs> okay um that was a good one. That was a good one. Ooh, okay. This one might be tricky. Neurology. Syphilis. Syphilis. Yeah. Neurosyphilis. Neurosyphilis. Yes. That's again. You don't yeah. see it often. Um, that sounds horrifying. I think that's why actually I don't see syphilis very much in ophthalmology it because it's it's it takes a long time to get neurosyphilis. 
And, true, true. and so by the time we have symptoms in the eye, it, it that that it, if you have intraocular syphilis, then it is by definition neurosyphilis because the eye is just an extension of it's part of the right. the nervous system. Um, and so, uh, uh, how long does it take to get neurosyphilis? I, I don't I think even, it's like five to ten years. I think yeah, uh, it has to be like untreated. That. Yeah, it has to be untreated for a long time before it actually can extend to the yeah. nervous system. That just does not okay. sound like any fun. So if you a neurologist comes to you, be like, hey, let's put a TikTok together. Uh, let's combine some sexual health with uh, neurology, neurosyphilis. There we go. Okay. okay. Maybe you use that to convince people to go get their syphilis treated sooner than go. definitely, right. definitely. I mean, once you have a rash, that's already quite some time has passed. Yeah. So, right. And these are the things you see in uh, rural communities where I work. People don't come when they. Mm-hmm. They have a, a pimple. They come with that pimple has grown into like a five by five centimeter cancer. So you we get yeah. to see all these uh, rare conditions and things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds like the farmers out here. Yeah. Uh, sounds like the, the the rural medicine videos that yeah. put together. Kind of. It's got to be a can, really big problem before. Yeah. It's important enough to go and get it treated. But uh, okay, let's see. I honestly have no idea how you will do this one. <laughs> Orthopedic surgery. Oh, we already did the the Yeah, you already did that. Um also that's there's not yeah. actually a bone there. Bones, uh ooh. Um hmm. uh, ooh. Do let's you, see. How, sexual, I don't know. Sexual health. Uh maybe um uh there there may be some positions that are, are don't have sex on a ladder. <laughs> probably a bad place uh because probably then you just good advice in general break a leg uh erectile uh, dysfunction like... bone bone um, no maybe i don't your bone just doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> okay next all kinds of things oh my goodness. Uh, i'm okay. gonna go with, let's go with no sex the... on a ladder yeah no okay. sex on a ladder all right all right, Don't let's do, do oh, how many tough. more you want to do? One more, two more? Wait, let's do let's do like uh, maybe one or two more. Okay. Okay. Um okay, let's do cardiology. Cardiology. Okay. Cardiology and and sexual health. Let's see. How about I mean, you know, you always hear like you're not healthy enough for sexual activity. Yeah. That's like exactly. a phrase. A lot of that has to do with with cardiovascular disease. Do you have that have you ever had that conversation with people? Oh, uh, we do. Uh, I was thinking of Viagra also, uh, use of Viagra oh, yeah. and uh, cardiovascular. That's good. What kind of conditions do you have? Do you qualify for Viagra or not? Um, what, what kind of what kind of people would not qualify for Viagra from a cardiovascular standpoint? Oh, you had the cardiologist already. Should have asked that question. <laughs> I don't true. know about the exact criteria. And the other thing is like I wanted to use some stats in my this podcast, but I see like. For like pap smear, you guys have different guidelines than us, so oh, yeah. it's uh, so I'm not sure the criteria. Um, but if you have cardiovascular conditions, then we usually go through about, yeah sure. something to think about. We go through a list of conditions, um, measure the risk because that medication itself is a vasodilator, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it could it could cause a, a drop in your blood pressure and or. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm really out over my skis here. I I don't I don't talk about blood pressure very often. But, or uh, I believe that. 
uh, or Viagra. This is probably the first time this has ever come up on this podcast. All right, we got that's a good collaboration. That's a good sex collaboration there. Okay, let's do one more. Okay, one more. Let me think. Okay, well, we got it. No, we kind of already did ophthalmology with the neurosyphilis. Yeah, we get it. Um, okay. Don't get don't get gunnery in your eye. That's 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 all I'll tell you. Okay, this one is you want this one's kind of hard. You want to end on a hard mm. one or a, a hard one? Okay. Let's do it. Anesthesiology. Oh, anesthesiology and sexual health. You're the one that wrote that list. So. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did put that on that list. Well, I wasn't thinking about what we could do. <laughs> to be honest, these. we do. Uh, I do sexual and reproductive health. Where we can uh-huh. talk about pregnancy. There you go. Perfect. Yes. There you go. I imagine there are probably a lot of misconceptions about everything related to pregnancy. A lot. Definitely. But uh, specifically, maybe some epidural information. Be perfect. That's great. I love it. Also, there you go. Uh, I, I, just trying to give you some content ideas here, Dr. Sully. <laughs> so, anyway, thanks. Uh, especially that's good. Right. The, the pregnancy one, especially people need to know that there are no ways to choose sex of your baby in advance. I've had a question okay. when a, uh, oh, a, a, uh, somebody messaged me, DM'd me asking what she must do to get a twin. And I told her to pray. Ooh. And she was very offended. She's like, you don't want to tell me I'll go to someone else. I'm like, there is no way. <laughs> right. So yeah. So Can't plan that out. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a probably a big source of of content. Man, I, I can't imagine that you get these comments and you just never thought that that would be something that 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 you would that would be helpful for people to to have information from a from a professional, you know, about this. And so it's um it must be kind of fun for you to like to to find these little uh these little things in society, these little gaps in the education uh, of of anybody really, just the public public education and so uh right. to be able to shed light on i think that's great what would you say for for how can we close all the these gaps like why are they there in the first place what can we do to better inform people i think we need to start the conversations about sex it's, it's a, like mm-hmm. a it's like a taboo uh that people many people avoid it and uh once i think there are like few tv series that is out there that's starting to talk about sexual health and sex in general even in south africa Mm. Uh, i think these are good because uh make people let people open the conversation and talk about such uh, conditions and then uh then you'll be more confident to communicate with your own doctor with your partner uh most of these questions i get so i think i'm not sure sex education in us how good it is but I can imagine like some poor countries in Africa or Asia where there's no sex education. That's probably most of my questions are coming from. Yeah. And I usually ask like, how old are you? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, I'm generally surprised when a 17 years old said I kissed my boyfriend and my period is delayed. So I'm like trying to calm them down, educate right. a little bit. Um, so yeah, so it makes me happy that I can, even if the my video educates one person that's gives me like a, a feeling of a, yeah. a rewarding feeling so well, i think yeah. you can you can bank on the fact that you're educating far more than one one person yeah. for sure do you think that that's social media as a way to educate people is is maybe more effective right now than um than a formal education system 
or at least a good alternative if there if there doesn't exist a formal education system? Do you think social media is a great way to, to go about doing that? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I am a member of a few sexual health organizations and uh, the way they educate is like through webinars and Zoom meetings. I don't think many people attend those things. It's not, especially not our teenagers and young people. So, yeah. <laughs> so I try to, even to do it on social media, it's not something that anyone, like if you, if you come on social media and start talking about a lecture, nobody will listen. So it's very difficult mm-hmm. even for me to like simplify the words um, in a short fun video because nobody had the attention span of like two minutes unless watching your amazing videos. So, <laughs> but otherwise I might try to make them short, simple, to the point, to educate and uh, to ignite some curiosity. Like if you're curious about this thing, go read about it and learn. So yeah. social media is definitely the way to go. And uh, yeah. Completely agree. It gets agree. back to what we always say. We need more doctors on social media. Um, yeah. you know, putting putting factual information out there where it's easily digestible for people. Exactly. That's the word. Easily digestible. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back uh, with a few listener stories. All right. We are back with Dr. Uh, Saleh and we are going to take a look at some of our favorite medical stories that were sent in by the listeners. All right, so we have Stephanie. Stephanie says, I was at the OBGYN's office to check on my IUD as I was nervous it might have moved. This was the first time visiting this OBGYN. She was taking some medical history and asking where I had my IUD placed. I nervously repeated the question to her and responded with, in my uterus? (laughs) While, while, (laughs) While pointing. Oh. Really hammer the point home. <laughs> she started laughing and said, no, where were you when you had the IUD, uh, you, uh, you, I, IUD. IUD, IUD placed? Everything ended up being fine with IUD, and I'm just happy I responded with medically accurate information. <laughs> That's, That's a very funny story. I mean, it's not a wrong answer. You got to be That's careful right. how you word your questions. I just, I like that 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 she pointed <laughs> right. to like let the OB right here. Well, I would <laughs> imagine if your OB, if you think your OB is asking you where an IUD goes, you know, you might maybe have they, some questions about sure. their qualifications. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's trying to help. All right. That's good. I like that one. Thank you, Stephanie. All right. The second story comes from Tim. My name is Tim, and I'm third-year medical student applying to ortho. So maybe I ought to address this email to I-tending bro and Mrs. Bro. There you go. In any case, I just wanted to share a story I heard from one of my uh, clerkships this year. This psychiatry attending I had was European, so she had to frequently fly back and forth between Europe and and the United States for personal as well as professional reasons. One trip, she was just sitting there when the dreaded, is there a doctor on board call came. Have you ever been in that situation, Dr. Sully? Coming back from my honeymoon. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, no. (laughs) That's not how you want to end that. No, I enjoy it. I was like, as soon, actually, I was making a video for my TikTok. You know, there's a TikTok trend is any medical uh, professional on the board, and then you stand and sit down. And halfway through it, the announcement came. So I obviously stood, and and the lady had Meniere's disease. I knew something about vertigo. I was like, I need to Google this first. But yeah, hey, do you do you know do you know who started that trend? By the way, who? No, uh, it was me. <gasps> really? 
Wow. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, the, I made the, I made the video like a, over a year ago and, and it's the audio. I think a lot of people yeah, use yeah, yeah. It is yeah. coming from my original video. But okay. uh, anyway, my, my claim to fame is a, as a <laughs> meme on, on, on Twitter, on TikTok. Well, I think he would be a lot more useful in a medical emergency on a plane. There's than a lot you of would. I think, I think would we'd be, be in good hands. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the story here. Uh, so, uh, is there a doctor on board call? Uh, nobody responded. And it came again. Is there a doctor on board? Sensing it was her duty as a physician, she went up and offered help, but did preface it by saying she's a psychiatrist. Turn that's exactly what I would do as well as an ophthalmologist. <laughs> Turns out it was an older gentleman on a beta blocker dehydrated at high altitude. So he just passed out, likely due to orthostasis. Long story short, my attending uh, stayed with the guy the entire flight, made sure he got hydrated, and everything uh, turned out okay. When the plane landed, one of the flight attendants came up and asked my attending for her medical license, just so the hairline can properly document it. At the very moment, at that very moment, this older gentleman, who's been sitting next to the passed out gentleman the entire time, goes, "Oh, here, you can use mine." What? Only to find out that the other guy was an orthopedic surgeon. And when asked why he didn't respond to the physician on board call, he goes, oh, I saw him pass out and checked right away. He didn't break a bone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Very exactly. good. Exactly. That's good. I love I'm that. not sure if that's true or just a really, it's you pretty know, good joke. long I could, joke. I could but... totally see, uh, 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 you know, maybe a little embellishment, but, yeah. you know, you could see it happening. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for those stories. Send us yours at knockknockhigh at human-content.com. Dr. Saleh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's it's really been a pleasure to hear your perspective on all things medicine, social media, sexual health. It's been really great. Um, tell We want to know, I'm sure our audience wants to know where they can find you, they what can. you're working on. So I go by Dr. Sia on my social media. So Dr. Sia on TikTok and Instagram and Dr. Sia on YouTube and Facebook. Awesome. Right. Definitely check out uh, the TikTok. And um, I always encourage people to go check it, uh, out the videos on YouTube as well. Uh, and so um, have a good look through all your content, everybody. It's um, it's really great stuff. So thanks. Yeah, again. Keep, keep up the great work. Yeah, keep it up. People really need what you're putting out there. And so, um, yeah, you're you're doing awesome work. But first, enjoy enjoy your new life yeah, yeah, yeah. as yeah, newlyweds. <laughs> don't make any content. For, don't worry about it. The audience, they'll be there. They'll be there when you get back, exactly, when you're ready. Exactly, exactly. So thanks Thank, again for joining thank us. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, what a fun conversation with Dr. Saleh. What did you think of sex collaboration, Kristen? Do you like it? That was a pretty good game. Yeah. You you were a little nervous about uh, whenever we had to come up with like a some kind of sexual health related game. This can be a dicey topic. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think it was fun though. Hopefully, yeah. we gave him some content ideas too, some yeah, collaborations that he can do with other yeah. types of. Maybe doctors. other people have some thoughts too. They can leave yeah, them in the comments. Yeah, let, let us know if you have any uh, what you thought about that, um, and if you have any other suggestions for guests or games or anything. There's lots of ways to hit us up. Email us knockknockhigh at human-content.com. Visit us on all the social media channels: TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. Uh, and uh, you can also hang out with us and our human content podcast family on Instagram and, and TikTok at human content pods. 
thank you to all the listeners who are leaving feedback and great reviews for us. We really appreciate it. If you subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube, we can give you a shout out. Like right now, we got uh, Zen Vibes 1892 on YouTube who said, very fun and enjoyable to watch. Thank you, Zen Vibes. You. That's very Zen of you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, keep sending us um, you know, all your uh, stories. We love hearing those as well. Oh, we're also on YouTube. Full episodes, video episodes are up every week on my YouTube channel at dglockandplecken. We also have a Patreon. Lots of fun perks, bonus episodes, or react to medical shows and movies. Come spend some time with the other members of the Knock Knock High community where we are. We're there. I'm going to check on it just right after we're done uh, 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 recording here. Uh, early ad-free episode access, interactive Q&A live stream events, and a lot more. Patreon.com slash Glockenflecken or go to Glockenflecken.com. Speaking of Patreon community perks, new member shout out to Ray W. Thank you, Ray. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. Uh, shout out to all the Jonathans, as always. We got Patrick, Brianna L., Edward K., Caitlin C., K.L., Lucia C., Mary H., Mr. Granddaddy, Omar, Stephen G., Jonathan A., Javer W., Jonathan F., Leah, Marion W., Mark, Roskbox, and Sharon I love that S. we now have two Jonathans in our Jonathan tier. I, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. I really getting very meta it. over there. If anybody, any other Jonathans out there, you <laughs> want to be a Jonathan Patreon, that would be, it, it would work really great uh, <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, also, Patreon roulette time. All right, this is for a uh, someone in the emergency medicine realm of our Patreon. So let's do a drum roll. Oh, I did like a little thing, like a yeah, little yeah, a little, little horn at the end. Shout out to Tuspa Mouse for being a patron. Thank you thank so you. much, and thank you all for listening. We're your host, Will and Kristen Flannery, aka the Glock and Fleckens. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Siamek Saleh. And our executive producers, Will Flannery, Kristen Flannery, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, Shanti Brooke. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omar Benzvi. To learn about our Knock Knock Highs, program disclaimer, ethics policy, submission, verification, and licensing terms, and HIPAA release terms. You know, I don't have to say this. Every, you can say it from time to time. No, you're doing just fine. You can go to glockandplecken.com or reach out to us at knockknockhigh at human-content.com with any questions, concerns, or any like fun medical puns or other like better jokes than puns. <laughs> Knock Knock High is a human content production. Hey, Kristen, do you know why I got into medicine in the first place? To spend your evenings on documentation, of course. Uh, no. Actually, that never even crossed my mind. Mm, weird. I got into medicine to actually take care of patients, to mm. to be able to form relationships with them that and, is a and care reason. for them, to listen to them, to actually look at their eyeballs while I'm treating their eyeballs. Well, I would hope that you look at where you're treating. It's an important part of being an ophthalmologist, and it's easier than ever with the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology. It's just in the room with you, and it helps you be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burden. Uh, it basically lets you get back to being a physician and practicing the way you want to practice. So it's like having a Jonathan. It really is. To learn more about the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X.